Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast where your host, Ryan Tansom, brings you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. Welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is episode 104. Today's guest name is Laura Rich. I couldn't believe when I saw the article that she wrote. I immediately sent it to my podcast producer and I said, Malin, I have to have Laura on show. Well, the article that Laura wrote was about Kate Spade and the tragedy that happened. And it was a lot about this whole subject of life after business, which is why I originally started the show. And she writes about how business owners have so much identity tied into their business and the purpose in their community that actually selling the business in the life after there's actual trauma that's there and there's a bunch of fMRI studies that show the chemical reactions in the entrepreneur's brain as they've gone through this but the reason that Laura wrote the article is because she herself sold a business and really struggled with what is a life after what am I supposed to do what am I going to be doing next and Laura and I have this great conversation about what she's doing now from starting her own podcast called the exit club she's starting a community around what are we going to do next as entrepreneurs entrepreneurs, helping with transition. And so Laura and I just had a very open, honest, and total free-flowing dialogue about the entire challenges with understanding who you are if you're not tied in with your company. So I really hope you enjoy our conversation. It should give you a peer into some of the real challenges of what it's like to no longer be a business owner and having to recreate yourself. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this interview with Laura. This episode of Life After Business is sponsored by GEXP Collaborative. Their proven process gives you clarity on all of your exit options and how those options impact your financial success, timing, and future happiness. Sell your company on your time frame to the buyer of your choice at the price you want. Laura, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm super excited to have you on the show because I saw your article on LinkedIn and then my podcasting publisher was also helping me and we like you your article and the things that you were talking about just hit home so much that I think you and I it's going to be a fun conversation Um, but for the listeners that are not aware of you your story the article that you wrote and the things that you're doing maybe let's go back and we'll kind of start in the in the sequence that makes sense how did you become an entrepreneur and what are you doing today Sure. Yeah. First of all, I'm so happy you came across that article. It, it's the one, Kate Spade and depression, um, uh, business after business exit. And, you know, there really was such an outpouring of people. And I guess we can get into this a bunch more. The, the, it had such a tremendous response. So I'm glad you saw it as well. So I became an entrepreneur about... I don't know. I think one is always an entrepreneur. But I was a journalist, a business journalist for about 18 years, working at places like Inc. Magazine and Fast Company, running their websites and Adweek. And I had a column in the Sunday business section of the New York Times. I helped Condé Nast launch a, the website for their business magazine portfolio. And maybe just being around Right, you know, writing about business, being around startups and tech, I just sort of got it in my in my blood, I guess. And so I tried a couple little concepts that were centered around con- uh, content because you know, with my background in journalism, 
And then my main biggest, I guess, entrepreneurial experience was a startup that I launched in 2011 and sold it in February of last year. And that was a media company focused on a segment of the tech industry. And we had a daily publication and um, a couple of events every year in New York and San Francisco. And it was super fun. Super fun. Well, and I think it's so interesting because you, you, you now also had just launched your podcast called The Exit Club and that Kate Spade article you, you wrote was just so amazing because, I mean, hence the title of my podcast, Life After Business, is there's, there's this whole thing afterwards that no one really talks about, mm-hmm. about finding who you are and all these things. I'm just curious on, you know, you know what, what, what was it afterwards? Because I know I'm kind of going the reverse um, order that I normally do with uh, as we kind of go through these uh, interviews. but curious mm-hmm. of what sparked the the podcast in your experience and, and maybe I don't know if you want to start if there's a yeah. certain part of the story that you start from to go through but I'm just so curious in how you got to to this conclusion that this is where you want to spend your time right so you're talking about exit club which is yep. my most recent venture so after I sold my business so I signed the papers on February 9th of last year and it was super exciting and I, I had this almost visceral, sensation of weight being lifted off my shoulders. Like all of a sudden, um, I didn't have that grind that you have when you are still in startup phase, which you still are when you're only, you know, five and a half years in, you know, now somebody else had to make sure that we made payroll (laughs) and kept the lights on. And, and of course knew they, they could. And now I, I just had like a nice job and I was still running my business. And I was, I was really at this point where I was ready to let other people make decisions about the business and you know, kind of just help it along and, and go through a little transition towards moving on to my next thing. But I discovered that despite that, it was a very challenging experience transitioning out of running your business into this new stage. And, um, you and I just had that little conversation before this started about your experience and someone was, you know, taking over your baby. Someone took over my baby. I didn't care as much about that as I probably should have, but that's why I found it very surprising that it was sort of a challenging experience. And I thought that I was isolated in my experience. I didn't realize this was, this was a, a common shared experience that people go through after they sell their business. And I called up a couple friends who had had like enormous exits and they said that they also struggled through that time. And that was when I started thinking about, so with my sort of journalism DNA, I'm just inclined towards stories. I hear a story, I hear trends, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and like you, you also with your experience saw that there was something more like you didn't see any resources out there me neither you know i i googled you know i sold my business now what and as you know what you get are lots of answers but they're from financial advisors who don't really care about your mental well-being and figuring out your life plan going forward outside of the financial aspect of it so i took some time off in the fall and when i came back earlier this year thinking about what I was going to do next, I was just continually focused on the experience the, um, that I was having and knowing that other people 
go through this as well, like how you roll off of your success into whatever comes next. So I decided to put a focus on it. And I had written a book before, a biography of Paul Allen. So I thought about doing a book on, on this experience and started talking to lots of entrepreneurs at all different types of companies, different sizes of companies, different sizes of exits, women, men, different ages, and, and found a lot of shared experiences and also found a lot of people who had felt very isolated and, you know, like me, hadn't realized this was a shared experience. And so because of that, I started thinking about, you know, how can I help support this, this transition? So I really focus on the post-exit transition phase. So I, I feel like your scope, and you can clarify this to me, but I feel like your scope is maybe a little broader. Like you're really thinking about like what can, how can, how can entrepreneurs think about getting their business ready for sale as well as like what comes after, you know, but I don't really focus so much on like getting your business ready for sale and what you can do there. I, you know, I'm really focused on the entrepreneur, entrepreneur, not as much on their company. Well, right. And I think it's, what, you, what you're finding too, and a lot of the people that I've interviewed is, I mean, it's, there's some ridiculous stories about there and the mental part. And that's where it's interesting because that's where I started with my podcast was just thinking about the emotional stuff. And then I realized that, I, you know, for me, it was more like there, I needed to technically figure out what happened too. So I, I kind of left it broader. And, and I'm curious, Laura, like, so what was this experience? Like it, maybe explain a little bit more color or detail of like, what was isolating about it? What were the things that you went through and how did you, so how did you, so you went through yeah. this real liberating feeling you said, but like what, what was the actual after effect, the calm after the storm that, and what, what were, what were the triggering things that were setting that off that allowed you to realize that there was something missing? Yeah. I mean, a little bit of it was burnout factor and feeling really stuck in the job that I was in and wanting to move on and doing do something new. And I think also I heard from a lot of people, you go through a kind of identity crisis. Like, who was I at that point? That was really just destabilizing for me. Before that, I was CEO of Street Fight. And that meant something. And I, I, knew, I knew who and what I was every day. And, you know, and I think as an entrepreneur, your, you know, your identity really gets merged with this thing that you, that you build. And, you know, like I said, I was very much ready to move on, except that I didn't know what that next thing was. And so also, you know, I started to think, you know, was that just a fluke, that success? I started developing a little bit of fear of failure that sent me into this paralysis. I mean, this, these are not like horrible things, you know, a little bit of is like, cry me a river, you know, um, other people, I've talked to other people who have gone through just much bigger kinds of depression. And I didn't, I didn't really go through depression. I mean, if you, you saw in my article, I talked to some people who, you know, couldn't, couldn't leave the house and, mm -hmm. and then obviously Kate Spade. But so that was, that was kind of it for me. The, those are the main things. Well, I think, you know, I think you, you, you hit on a couple of things that I think are interesting. One is that it's real. And I think that, and it's interesting, I was at happy hour with another entrepreneur last week that had sold his business. He's younger and he's going through this stuff too. And I, and I don't, I'm curious on what you, as you've talked to other people is, you know, do we shelter ourselves and 
avoid dealing with it because we don't want to, I mean, there's no one to talk to because right. people think that like, Oh, you made this money. So now you just have to be happy. Like it, and there's yeah. obviously not a direct correlation. So then you say, you know, you even kind of just did it where it's like, grab me a river. No, but the reality is what you're going through is actually real. So, you, yeah. you know, yeah. how do you, what was your, what was your experience talking to other people? And like, how have you dealt with that? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. Like, our problems as entrepreneurs who have a successful exit are not really relatable to a lot of people. And for people who have life-changing exits, I did not. So I didn't have to deal with like, you know, money be becoming this like weird factor for my life and, and the dynamics around me. But I have talked to plenty of people who had life-changing exits who had big you know, like social things change for them. Um, one guy said his friends became jealous. He lost all of his friends. I've definitely talked to other people who said their friends just start hitting them up for money. So there's that. And that, you know, that leads to the identity. That, that's part of that identity crisis too. I think the age thing is interesting, but and most of the people that I've talked to at this point have, I don't think I've talked to anybody in their 20s, maybe one person. but you know, the people in their early 30s and, you know, lucky them, because that's quite an accomplishment, I think. I think they have it a little more challenging because they haven't had a chance to have failure or have um, just sort of ordinary life and not such big. Yeah. So, but, uh, but it, it, it's been interesting. I, when I talk to people individually who are like, I didn't realize I wasn't alone. I feel so good being able to like bring that awareness to them so they don't feel like they can, they have to suffer in silence. But I've also convened people to, uh, who, who had exits and they are so relieved to be able to talk to other people who've been through the same experience. So one of the things I'm doing with Exit Club is um, creating a community for people who have who have sold their businesses and, and need others to connect with. Which I mean, it's, there's a lot more people out there than you think. And yeah. I'm curious, you know, is there something that you've done or, or what were some of the biggest challenges was you know, like, for example, when people say, what do you do? And how like that kind of triggers a lot of anxiety for someone that is sold. Is there, so what are yeah. some of the things that you've done as you took some, you said you took some time off Were there, mm -hmm. How, how have you started shifting your narrative? Yeah, and I'd be curious to hear what what you what your uh, answer is to that question too. But um, in the in the fall when I was taking time off, I said I was on sabbatical, <laughs> so <laughs> and that was fun. That was fun, and and now I mean, I, I have a hard time saying I'm an entrepreneur because it's just this wide open thing. And, you know, I may still be stuck in that identity crisis thing where I had one success. I had, I had two other things before that. And one of them was like a PR success. Like we launched with a big like coverage of us in the New York Times and we were on like some morning shows, but it wasn't a financial success. I mean, kind of just fizzled out. But, you know, so uh, I have to get out there and prove myself again. So I feel like I'm living that part of the experience that people go through as well. Yeah, so what I, about you? What did you say after you left yeah. your business? 
Um, well, it's, it, it's been a challenge. I mean, like I, I've, I've personally gone through a couple different roles as far as what I'm doing. And I mean, it, it is tough because I want you and if you know, and I feel like I'm, we should switch, we're <laughs> switching roles. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that too often yes. it happens, but it is, um, you know, I went from a, you know, having a, a decent name for myself and our company and stuff like that in the industry mm-hmm. to all of a sudden you're irrelevant. So yeah. the tr- trying to figure out something that I'm just as passionate about that's not in our industry was tough as heck. And, I mean, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. And I figured the, the podcast was the first thing that I started to figure out. I mean, honestly, it was, it's been my method to figure out what I wanted to do, which is where GEXP, the consulting company came from and stuff. But it was like, yeah, I mean, like yeah. my dad is still struggling four years later of like what to do, how to do it. And like a gentleman I had uh, half hour with last week. I mean, it's just something, it's tough to reinvent yourself, to be yeah. as passionate because you different yeah. vendors, different clients, different people that you no longer are forced to engage with on a daily basis. Yeah. So figure out yeah. Like, who do I actually want to talk to and why am I talking to them? <laughs> yeah. Right. Instead of like your autopilot, like you know what your the structure is, you have this whole structure around you, which is, you know, your your the focus of your, I guess, meaning and purpose and your daily social structure. Um, I I think about like how the email goes quiet. And that can be a positive and a negative, and it is all at once, you know. Um, like you were saying, like you are no longer interacting with these people. You're, you no longer matter to the whole industry because they've got to get on with their lives and, and get done what they need to get done, and you're kind of not helpful to that anymore. Um, and you don't need them anymore. So that it goes quiet. But, but and at the same time, it's also great that it goes quiet, right? It's like a nice I, break. It's, it's so interesting. I used, I actually called it phantom anxiety because we went through like this. I mean, it was like pulling the ripcord and all of a sudden there was 250 emails to zero. <laughs> you're just like, yeah. what is going on? But you, yeah. I think you're, you hit on a couple of things. I'm curious on how you've gone through on your community because I think that's one of the things that a lot of people struggle with were so for us it was like our my our employees were our friends and family same thing with our vendors and our 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 clients and our partners and like that's just the people you talk to all day long that are fun and great but then all of a sudden if they're not there you realize like who's actually a friend and in your social community or not well, yeah can you, yeah i'm curious you on find your, that out right. <laughs> really fast right and yeah whether you matter or not. And so I'm curious, so explain you know, a little bit of background on your, on your company street fight and understanding like, what was your, what was your social structure like and how did you go about it? What was kind of the infrastructure and then how have you started recreating that now? Yeah, it's a good question. So street fight, since it was like a media company and kind of, and it, so it was a, you know, like a trade publication. And so our audience like coalesced around us and you know, as the CEO of this entity and the host of all our conferences and just like the public face of this, I had this whole social world, right? That, um, that, you know, we all did business together and it was, it was really great. And then that, that's just gone and it's okay. Um, you know, I guess I, I miss, I miss some of those people, but it's fine. And we all know, we just move on. Um, and you know, I figured that with exit club that will emerge again. And I'm really excited to be exploring this with people who have had success in business. I mean, it's just an amazing group of people and you know that because you're talking to the same people all the time. So, you know, through 
the various things like the podcast and um, the book I'm working on and the membership and, and workshops that we're developing. Um, it's, it's, it's great to be able to interact with people in this way. And because the focus of Exit Club really is on like the emotional experience, these are much deeper connections that I'm having with people, much deeper interactions. So be, going back to, I'm curious on with Tree Fight, what was the, you know, what was leading up to the sale? So now, now that you've realized that it is such an emotional journey, you know, what was leading you up to the sale? Was there a triggering event and why did you go through that process? Mm-hmm. And then the follow-up question is knowing how, you know, how the, the challenges after the fact, would you have done anything differently? Um, I don't know that I would have done anything differently. Um, we were, we were kind of at a point where we just needed to, if we were going to grow more, we needed, uh, either a capital infusion or uh, an acquisition. So we opted for acquisition because raising money is just, you know, such a pain. (laughs) Not that it's easy to find a buyer, yeah, so we just went looking for a buyer, and we found this um, amazing buyer in a long, a longtime client of ours, who got wind of our um, shopping the business and became interested in working together in that way. So, it, they're they're pretty great. I mean, we knew them, we'd worked with them, and I really like the CEO Manish Patel, and um, so I don't I don't know what I would do differently. I mean, I, I think you can always say I would, I would get a bigger deal next time. <laughs> I think you can always say that, but you know, it's pretty good. Is there, you know, as you are curious, because, you know, when you think about the, the check in the boxes of making sure that you get what you want emotionally and financially, right? I mean, it's, it's a totally integrated thing, I think. And mm-hmm. what would, now that you're kind of going down this road of exploring all this, what are the, some of the things you would have done to prepare yourself emotionally and socially or, you know, on the intangible stuff ahead of time. Is there other things that you realize now that there could have been other things you could have benefited from that ahead of time? Yeah. I, I do think that people can, can make this a better experience. And I think, um, you know, some of the stuff you're doing, working with people to, start their exit planning earlier and think of it in a more global sense, not just, you know, what, what's the number I want. I think that's, that's really smart. I I think people need to start exit planning when they launch their business, you know, it should be exit plan should be as much a part of their launch as anything else. And then I think that as they get closer, really thinking about their plan in even more detail. And I think that what, I think it's a, there's four sta- stages to the transition that we've been seeing in the data. So in all of my conversations, um, we've been, I'm working with a, a researcher who has written a lot in academic journals on entrepreneurship. And so what we're seeing is that when entrepreneurs first take the time to recover and sort of like, I, I was saying in the fall that I was de-street fighting, <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> I was getting the street fight out of me so that I could move on to whatever was next. And I think that recovery period is really important. And I think if people don't do that, it's, a, it's hard to move forward or they just stay on this hamster wheel of like, 
you know, start the next business, exit, start the next business, exit, start. And they don't really get a chance to figure out who they are and what they want and how to have like a really, you know, grounded, rewarding life. And then I think the next stage is, you know, really looking at who you are at that point and redefining your values and goals based on your experience having run the business and having exited a business. And then from, from there, I think that's a good foundation to start thinking about what's next and how you're going to reinvent yourself in that context. And then final stage, like reconnecting with the world and going out there. And I think people just tend to go out too soon when they haven't done that work. So, I mean, you could probably hear from the way I'm <laughs> saying it that like, this is a program that we're developing. No, um, I think it's of, super yeah. important. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously if it's, and I don't want to unleash anything that you don't, you're not ready for the world, but you know, as you're kind of going through these, what I think that the things that I've asked other people, they, cause they don't know how to go through this process, you know, reinventing themselves is a ton of work, especially, you know, as the, some of the people that I interact with or have interviewed, they're later on in life. So, mm-hmm. you know, they don't necessarily have enough time to reinvent themselves. They, yeah. they think, right. So I'm curious, yeah. like, is there, is there exercises or what, what are ways that people can actually start implementing this stuff other than just kind of looking into the abyss? Well, that is something that we're still honing and I don't want to, I don't want to go out mm-hmm. with anything just yet. So I'm just going to leave it at the top line. So is there, you know, I think that's valid. It's valid. And is there, I guess, resources out there that you've seen that you've benefited from along the journey, whether it's books or people or things as people are trying to figure out what's available out there? Well, I mean, Ryan, if, if there was stuff out there, you and I wouldn't be doing what we're doing. <laughs> so um, I don't, you know, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say. I mean, there, there are some good books out there that, you know, uh, try to help you get to figure out, you know, who you are and what you mm-hmm. want out of life. But it's not specific um, I, to entrepreneurs, though. It's kind yeah, of it's not specific. There's nothing specific to entrepreneurs. I think there's this whole culture of like, get to exit, get to exit. Nobody thinks about what comes after that. And if you look at the books, like I feel like a book that comes closest is Finish Big. I was by Bo, rock on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, by Bo, who I worked with at, at Inc. Magazine. It's a great book. And he does touch on the after of the exit. But it is still largely focused on that exit point and not as much about how you, how you move on from there after your, biz, after your business. Because, you know, frankly, if people, people like operators, you know, they like them when they're on the job. Uh, athletes get celebrated when they are playing the game, not after they retire, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and athletes, I think, go through this same transition and veterans go through this transition and retirees go through this transition. And nobody talks about this particular transition, you know, in part because it's that whole, you know, Crimea River thing. But, but you know, between the two of us, we can help mainstream the idea. Well, I think so. you, you, it's actually Bo's book is what launched me onto my journey. <laughs> I was oh, like, wow. I was like, oh shit, I wish I would have read that before we sold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's interesting, Laura. I, there, there's two things is I kind of boil it all down to, you know, once money is out of the equation and you're starting to figure out, like, it, I kind of have boiled down to two things, two questions that people need to ask, which is what problems do you want to solve when you wake up? 
Mm-hmm. Like what, what is your problems that are interesting to you that you want to solve? And then who do you want to solve those with? Yeah. And then really just, mm-hmm. I don't know if it boils down to anything else, but other than that, and I think what I've seen is that people get eradicated from their situation too soon before they've figured that out where they still want to keep solving their industry problems and then they no longer can, or they right. want to stay with those people and then they no longer, they're forced out of that situation. So it's really knowing those two things before you figure out whether it's time to pull the ripcord or not. But it, yeah, right, right. They should not pull the ripcord until they know that, I suppose. But have you also noticed that people get stuck running their companies because they are they don't know what what could possibly come next? They don't know how to do anything other than run their business, despite actually kind of wanting to get out. If they had a better sense of what that looked like after, they might be I, able to get there. I think so. And I'm, I think if people had a way out or figuring out like, or had time to explore, there's this, uh, are you familiar with the halftime Institute? I'm not. So that's a very interesting one. I can introduce you to some people out there that they, they've kind of got this, you know, like those S curves <laughs> where it mm-hmm. goes up and then all of a sudden you have to like reinvent. And then there's like this overlapping part, like a Venn diagram, and then it continues going up again. And I think if people can reinvent themselves while they've got some time and they're in their business, then it'll be more of a non-event. Yeah. They transition out yeah. instead yeah. of trying to do it after the fact. <laughs> right, right, right. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, after the fact, though, I think you can still you can still recover. And you know, talking to other entrepreneurs who have been through the experience, I think is huge. And I'm excited about the connections that um, we're making between people there. Um, I'm also curious, you said that you, you speak to more of the entrepreneurs that you speak to are, are older generation. Yeah. Yep. A lot of the baby boomers that are, yep. That are trying to figure out whether it's the CEO round table groups or um, EO or Vistage or whatever it might be. And and I think, cause that's where people are vulnerable and I don't know if what you've experienced, but I know a lot of our listeners, it's, it's where they go to explain, explain the fact that they have all these problems and they have other people that are willing to listen to them. And did you have any of that part uh, when you had street fight? Was there, who did you go to for resources when you were running the business? I mean, was it other roundtable groups like that? Or like, where did you go for a lending year? Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think I just used my network of other entrepreneurs I knew and people in the media industry who, you know, had, had run media companies. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I did. I didn't, I didn't belong to any organizations. Um, but it's interesting that I have seen some differences in, I haven't talked to as many boomers. I'm really a little more focused on Gen X and millennials. And I think you're right that um, something you just said triggered the thought. So I don't remember exactly what you said, but, but millennials sort of have a little bit more of um, like a, I don't it's not flexibility, but like a willingness to to change and recover and move on and reinvent whereas older generations i mean for the boomers like they never ex- they never expected that they weren't going to work in the same job for the rest right. of their lives like the world changed a lot since they entered the workforce so so i i have heard that the it's the challenges for boomers are uh, they're harder in a way. Magnified. I, I agree with yeah. that because the, the younger generation has the ability to like, Hey, you know, we're going to stay in, you know, I think the model for them is like, we're going to stay in jobs for what, eight, 
two years. So it's yeah. not this we're retiring here. This is our family or friend. I mean, it's so it's magnified, like you said. And, yeah. you know, what was, you know, it, what was the reason you started Street Fight? So, yeah, you said you were an entrepreneur yeah. and it was in your DNA. But like, was it financial reasons? Was it you wanted to disrupt an industry? Like, what was the specific reason you started it? Well, um, I started Street Fight for a couple of reasons. One, I, I had been a journalist and I saw, I saw this trend emerging and it seemed like a good story, but it seemed much bigger than a story. It seemed like there was this whole industry emerging and I just thought, you know, somebody should serve this industry with content and community. And that was me. I was one to do that. And the other, the other part of it is that I had moved out to Boulder, Colorado from New York and I'd been here like a year and you know, there are no big media companies in Boulder. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So there, there wasn't like a, a, a job for me. So I started my own. So it was a little bit of a combination of both, but I think you, you start a business mostly when you have the passion for it, not just because like there's no traditional job for you. So I, I loved starting it. Well, it was great. I love starting businesses. I'm curious on that passion that you had when you started it and those kind of those reasons that kind of came together and the stars aligned. Do you feel like where was that importance of that original vision in when you were selecting your buyer? And, you know, what was the importance of handing off the baton? Was there some sort of vision you had of it lasting without you kind of like the vision finished big or was it more if you were you burnt out? How did you factor in why you started it and whether you were judging your success and the situation of that potential buyer and what you wanted with that afterwards? Like sort of squaring the beginning with the end. Yeah. Like did it, did it, did it meet with what you were like thinking backwards? Like it was the right yeah. period on my, you know, you said it wasn't, the baby wasn't as important to you, but you, you know, with the passion that you started with, was there, Yeah. how did you factor that into the transition or the exit? Yeah. So, I mean, so I didn't have any formal exit planning in the beginning of the business, but the goal was to grow the business to the point where somebody else saw value in it and acquired the business. And I raised a little friends and family in the beginning. And so, you know, we had some investors that I wanted to make sure um, mm -hmm. to do right by. So I always knew we would get to that point. And funny enough, we actually got to that point 12 months after we launched where we had a oh, very gosh. nice offer. And that was very, you know, flattering. We, we weren't ready to not be running the business at that point. And so it was, uh, how did they, how did they stumble across you? And then how did they value that? And why did they reach out and um, weren't ready? Well, you know, my, my business partner and I had years working in New York media. So when we launched, there was a lot of coverage of our launch and we just got on a lot of people's radars. And, uh, this was a, a very big trade publication, company. They had, you know, dozens of titles. So they acquire lots of companies. I mean, they actually don't acquire that many, but that's how we came onto their radar. Just, just okay. from, uh, mm -hmm. just for ha having kind of a, a buzzy high profile in our first year. And, um, so, so when it, you know, when it was, I guess, early 2016 and it just looked like, you know, we need to do this, you know, capital infusion or acquisition to, be able to grow the business. It was also aligning with, you know, the plan was always to grow this to the point where 
someone saw value and acquired it with the assumption that it would go on and it would grow from there, you know? So it kind of, it kind of did what the intention was starting out. But I have to say, I do, I do wish that I had known what I know now, which is start at the beginning with an exit plan, because I really think that is such a good guidepost for how you grow your business. I mean, it's a central, it's a, it's a, a, like an organizing function, you know? I'm curious. So like when you curious in your definition of what an exit plan is and what would have been missing? Cause I mean, I think the fact that you started the reason I'm asking is that the fact that you started with the fact that you wanted to build value for someone to sell it or for mm-hmm. you to sell it and someone to buy it. I'd say that's a good fundamental that a lot of people don't even put into their equation. So what was missing in your definition of an exit plan? And what, what, what do you think would yeah. have been good criteria? Yeah. Well, I think what I mean by that is, is an exit plan that thinks about like who who might the acquirers be, um, how would we fit into their plan? How would they fit into ours? Who would we want to work with? Like, is the idea that we want to stay or go? Um, you know. Also, you know, what's the what's the number we want to get to? What is the valuation? So, I, those are some of the things that I think could have been useful. Also, you know, thinking about what the timing of the exit might be instead of like this knowing that that's what we want to grow it to. And it's sort of this arbitrary thing, but like, you know, sort of having a, a five year plan to exit or seven years or 10 years or having all three of those and, you know, sort of revising as you go. Do you think having something like that set up would have impacted the post exit journey that you've gone through? Um, I do because I think I would have had, I would have had exit more top of mind. I would have known where the company was going. I would, you know, I would have had the company's exit more top of mind, and so possibly I would have had, I believe, I probably would have had my post post exit more top of mind because, you know, there would have been a focus on what is the trajectory here, where is all this going the company, but then hopefully I would think of myself as well. well it's interesting. I, it, I interviewed this uh, lady named Vicky and she said that she went through like a year and a half of process because there was a couple different scenarios and she wasn't mentally ready, but she kind of said that over that process of like the couple, uh, a couple different mock runs or whatever, she and the whole process, like she kind of got mentally ready because it was like, okay, well, I know it's almost like you have to grieve. (laughs) Like, I know that this is going to happen. So you get more mentally ready for when it actually happens. Yeah, right. And then you can make the right decision. I mean, you know, negotiations and due diligence are very wearying and um, anxiety provoking. And I think if you have a plan going into them, that allows you to also see what follows. Um, you can get more clarity and have better conversations during those phases. What was some of the most grueling parts about those two things? Because <laughs> I know it's it can be quite the ringer. Oh, I mean, you know, like trading pro formas back and forth. <laughs> That's super fun. Um, but you know, we had we one thing I think I, I've heard a lot of people don't have unless well maybe it's not a lot, but not everybody has all of their papers all together. We were very organized and kept good records of everything. So that made it kind of easy. When the due diligence list came over, we just sent things, sent things back to them. But I've heard that it can be a very painful gathering everything together. So that's one, 
that's another part of that exit planning. If you know that you're going to get there, then you're going to organize and execute your business in, in, in a way that's, you know, that's got all your ducks in a row and your T's and your I's all crossed and dotted and ready to go when your ideal buyer comes along. What was some of the stuff in the due diligence list that might've shocked you as far as like the, the extent of how much stuff that they actually needed? Um, I'm trying to re remember if there was something sort of crazy. I mean, I thought that they, <laughs> they, they wanted more details on like some of the customer stuff than I, than I thought they were actually going to look at. Um, uh, like maybe, you know, I honestly can't remember. Well, I think the, the, the context of my question was because like, seriously, it it's so extensive that most people, like you said, do freak. I mean, it's like, you don't realize that it's every piece of paper essentially that you've ever accumulated in the history of your company. Yeah. And it's, it's fair um, because they're planning to take on your business, but you know, until the deal's done, it is a little nerve wracking because this company has now looked inside your company, your business completely. And if the deal falls apart, then they have seen everything. And, you know, I know there's NDAs, but that doesn't really cover it. But they're signed by humans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Did you go through some crazy due diligence <laughs> hell? Oh my gosh. And like, yeah, it was a long story for a different time, but it, yeah, it, we, we sold a couple branches before we sold our main corporation. Our okay. So we kind of got a, we got the stubborn toe in a, in a less yeah. impactful way, but you realize that it, it's everything. I mean, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, and I, I'm curious that, when you're going through that stuff, then it, because it's such immediate like task, you know, the endorphins as you're checking things off, I, I believe that also impacts the, the lack of the ability to look at yourself and what you're going because it's just immediate stuff that you're. Oh yeah. Right. You're so consumed with just getting the deal done. You forget to pick your head up and think about what's my life going to be like after and what do I want it to be like? I mean, I think people think about it a little bit in terms of how much money do I want? And they envision, um, they envision their bank account, you know, or they envision a house they want to buy or a car or something like that. But that's not really a full look at your life and what your day to day will be like after you're no longer the owner of your business. And what would your, you know, as we're kind of getting towards the end here, what would be your recommendation of how someone should look at that? Because yeah, that's stuff that they do need to look at, but like, what would be mm -hmm. your advice on like, how should they look at that? What are some of the questions that people should ask themselves? Yeah, I think they have to look sort of comprehensively at their lives. Like think about how they feel about not running their business anymore. And, and um, uh, you know, or being in their business, but not being the one, I mean, that's still the same thing as not, not running their business, but having their business in their life on a daily basis and thinking about, and really becoming aware of the fact that that is a really anchoring um, component of their lives when they are running the business and that thinking about what is, what is going to be the, the anchoring thing after if that's not there. So, you know, I think a lot of people just like pop out into the world after that and they're, it's very destabilizing. They don't know how to move forward. I talked to this one guy who sailed out around the world with his wife for a couple of years and you know, in some ways that's a little bit of a cliche, right? But we talked about it and, and he had a really good point that you, 
you use a lot of executive function when you are sailing. So mm, you still have a focus for what you're doing you're, and there's a structure to your day. So you aren't just popped out into the world and then like, now what, how am I going to structure my day? Where's my focus? Um, how about, how about this? I haven't really seen my family on a daily basis and now <laughs> I am and they don't know what to do with me. I mean, just things like that, you know? <laughs> um, so I, there, there are, I think people need to think about like what is going to be the grounding um, and organizing factor in my life after I'm running the business. What do I want that to be? And then maybe have that, but like still have to go through that process of recover, redefine, reinvent, and then reconnect. So even if, even if you think, well, I know I want to go back out there and start a new business. I don't think that should be the thing that grounds you right after you're, you're done with your previous business. I mean, think about, think about it like a relationship ending. You know, you don't want to go right into your next one. You're going to, I thought, I, I thought about going right into a next business. And I realized that despite my enthusiasm, that I would burn out. And that is totally the equivalent of going into a rebound relationship. So it's so important to take a break. Even people who, you know, have modest exits, finding a way to take a break. If you have to make some money, just make some money some other way before starting something new so that you can get your head like reordered and in a place where it's not all about your, your past business. I think it's extremely valuable insight too. I actually had a podcast. I called it the rebound business or something because the people, oh, really? yeah, because they'll go and like literally just spend a bunch of money to buy another company to go recreate their life. Not thinking that that might not be the best idea. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Got to take a break. Can't just jump right in. I love that. I'll have to find that or you'll send that link to me. Yeah, I'll send it to you. So okay. as we're wrapping up, is there, you know, you, what you kind of just did it, but is there, you know, one thing that you, that you mentioned that you want to highlight or, you know, that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure that you leave the listeners with? Yeah. Yes. Um, so the main, the main point I'm trying to get out into the world is this idea that the entrepreneur journey isn't just start a business, grow a business, sell a business, but it's also this fourth, fourth stage, which is recover and then, and then move on to the next thing. And I think the world is too focused on start a business, grow a business, sell a business, and hooray, you got to the finish line. So um, I know that everybody who listens to your podcast is already aware that there's this other stage, but I really want people to think about it um, sort of more comprehensively and cohesively like this, where it's just as much a part of the entrepreneur journey. So that's, uh, that's kind of the, the main I thing. I think it's, I mean, and it needs to be hammered home because <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, even on this show, I get, we get stuck in some of the weeds sometimes about the technical stuff, you know, and th this is why people like you on the show are so important because it is the most important part. I mean, it, because if you're not happy, why, what the heck is it all for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What's the, what's the best way, Laura, for our listeners to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, so we, uh, so exit club right now is a podcast and you can find that at exitclub.co, and, um, you can reach me at Laura at exitclub.co and follow me on LinkedIn and it's 
like IN backslash Laura Rich. And um, so we're, we're really early stage, but come fall, we're going to start rolling out a lot of stuff. And um, hopefully you'll share that with your listeners when that oh, time comes. Oh, for sure. And, we'll, and, yeah. as we, and, and as the book launch and all that stuff comes, we'll have to circle back and have another rally back and forth. Yeah, totally. That'll be fun. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Laura. Appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks, Ryan. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversations that Laura and I had and the free-flowing nature of the conversation because I think it's just so complicated what you go through after you sell a business emotionally that it's just tough to articulate sometimes. And I think it's really reassuring for me and for hopefully a lot of other entrepreneurs that have gone through this that you're not alone and here she is and here I am having to create this marketplace because there is no resources about what you're going to do afterwards. So I'm really encouraged with what Laura's doing and I hope that anybody else that's out there and willing to fight the fight and help create a community and resources for people that are looking for the next purpose and helping to recreate themselves, that they jump on board. So go check out her article that she wrote. It was in the show notes and I will see you next week and go on to iTunes. Give me a rating if you got the time.